If you buy a car, if you want to launder your money with a car, you can invest 100,000, 200 maybe for Lamborghini. If you buy a property, you can invest 500,000, 1 million, 2 million. It's, it's, it's opened. Welcome to the first episode of Chasing Fraud. My name is Fredrik Grimstad, and the topic for the next two episodes is money laundering and terrorist financing through the real estate sector. To enlighten us on these matters, we will speak to Thomas Kaplan. He is German, a former detective, and the money laundering reporting officer of Von Paul Real Estate for the last 13 years. Thomas has contributed to the preparation of the Financial Action Task Force Guidance Risk-Based Approach Real Estate Sector and the National Risk Assessment, to mention some. In other words, Thomas is an important voice within anti-money laundering and terrorist financing in Germany and the real estate sector. Welcome, Thomas. Yeah, thanks a lot, uh, Frederick, and thanks for the invitation. What money laundering threats do you see in the real estate market in Germany? In principle, the, the main problem in the real estate market is a lack of transparency. Um, it entails, um, even in, in 2023, we still have a low awareness of uh, money laundering issues among uh, the obliged entities uh, in the real estate sector. And when I say obliged entities, I mean um, the, the, the parties who are involved in real estate transactions. It's not only the real estate agents, it's lawyers, tax advisors, notaries. And, uh, and of course, the real estate financing intermediaries and, uh, and at least um, financing credit institutions. So you have a lot of stakeholder involving in this transaction. I know in Norway it's the real estate agent who is um, uh, who's a real estate agent and he's also the, the function of a notary. And so he's signing the contract and the transaction is also going over the uh, bank account uh, of the real estate agents. So you don't need a notary, but that uh, is, from my point of view, a higher risk if you have only one person who has three roles. And um, But this is another question maybe we will talk about uh, later. And uh, the problem of these involved parties in this real estate transaction is that they... Um, and the most time not able to recognize the, the anomalies, the, the suspicious issues um, in a way that would lead to a suspicious activity report or a suspicious transaction report. So in Germany, we um, divide between uh, a suspicious activity, a, a behavior of a person, it's the seller or the buyer, or maybe uh, the person who are around uh, a seller or a buyer. And, and the transaction is uh, when the money um, is um, moving from the um, buyer to the seller. This is for us like the, the transaction. And that's why um, um, we have this differentiation uh, between both. And, uh, and what makes the real estate market attractive? Yeah, This is, I think, if you are a real estate agent or a money laundering officer, um, you have to answer your question, why is this market so attractive? And... Uh, it's you are able, especially money launderer, are able to transfer um, large values of money. If you buy a car, if you want to launder your money with a car, you can invest 100,000, 200 maybe for a Lamborghini. And, uh, but if you buy a property, you can invest 500,000, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million. It's, it's, it's opened. Um, 
and uh, and that's 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 one of the major points. And the second point is why it is so attractive to do this. Of course, the stability of the value. Um, uh, we know if, uh, um, because of the inflation, the value will raise around two three percent a year. So after ten years, uh, you raised your value. You didn't lose money. Normally, if you launder money, you are losing money through the laundering process. And uh, but if you invest in properties, um, you you raise your money up and and and, and you, you make a profit at the end. And uh, and this is like uh, these two points are very uh, important. And of course, um, we found out there's a tendency from a professional money launderer or money launderer uh, himself to evade a financial institution because they know they have a really strong KYC due diligence process. So they try to misuse other obliged entities like real estate agents, lawyers, notaries uh, to transfer the money, to invest the money in the market uh, and to influence. And, uh, and it's a big thing, in, for example, in Germany to misuse real estate agents as a serious uh, third party because what he's doing is this real estate agent. He's going to the seller, he's going to the bank, to the um, uh, real estate financing intermediaries, and he's talking with these people. I have a client who wants to buy a property. So we need this, we need this, we need this. So he treated um, his on behalf for this money launderer, and, and the real estate agent does not know that he's misused for this kind of behavior. And, uh, of course, we don't have in Germany a national, nationwide real estate register and no central um, data uh, base on for the land register. We have more than 500 land registers in Germany. So every little city has its own land register. So if you want to do a research, uh, for example, the law enforcement, uh, they have to ask <laughs> nationwide in the different uh, real estate registers. And this is... Uh, it's, it's that's crazy and uh, one major point is that we have too low number of suspicious activity reports um, submitted from the um, designated non-financial businesses and professions mm -hmm. i give you an example the 2021 um, the real estate agents submitted 176 suspicious activity reports and uh, and we have in germany i think more than 50,000 real estate agents. That's nothing. Same with the lawyers. The lawyers submitted 86 suspicious activity reports. And we have like uh, hundreds of thousands of lawyers in Germany. And um, just, just, just to give you like a brief overview about this low awareness. And, uh, and when you know that we have in Germany like one million uh, property transaction. One million. So one million transaction and only a couple of hundred suspicious activity reports, that's not much. And it's, it's a, a property market of 300 billion a year. Mm -hmm. um, so if we, if we go on numbers, this is, these are the numbers. And, um, and I think this is like what makes the market um, attractive. Uh, but with that uh, attraction, there's coming like some um, more... Weaknesses we have, like that, property managers, architects, project developers, financing agents—they are not obliged um, parties. They don't have to follow the the, the, the money laundering um, act. 
that means uh, I'm a money launderer and I need um, maybe uh, financing for my property. Then I go to a financing intermediary and, and he's not an obliged entity. So if it's written on my head, I'm a money launderer, he doesn't care. He hasn't to care. And this is like um, one of the, the major problems um, we have at the moment. And, uh, and this would be like the general risks if you go, if you ask why is the real estate market so threatened and why are the money laundering interested in, in laundering money in the German real estate market and of course you have a lot of other markets in Europe to do this and, and of course you have like general threats like uh, concealing the origin of the money through like different companies etc. I think this is something everyone uh, know. Um, um, what I found out, especially in Germany, and I think I would love to, to, to talk about these uh, three main topics. Um, I'm focusing at the moment, it's um, Havala banking mm -hmm. in Germany. Um, no one knows, or not many people knows what, what means Havala banking and why is it important? And in Havala banking, why is it in Germany? Why is it somewhere else? We had a big case in, in Germany, in the, in the nice city Dusseldorf, uh, and uh, there was a case, there were a group of four people judged for Havala banking. And in Germany, if you are doing Havala banking, you need the um, um, permission from the financial supervisory body. Uh, so it could be legal if you have the, the permission, but uh, you have to follow a lot of rules, and the Havala a broker, they don't want to follow these rules. So at the end, you, you won't find anyone, but um, you can do it if you want it. And, uh, and if, uh, so if you do a like Havala banking with three people together, you are a criminal organization in Germany. There's a, a big court decision that said, if you are three people, you're doing Havala banking, you are a criminal organization, so you get really, really hard uh, fined. You go to prison for a long time. And so, so they found out there were four guys. They have a jewelry a jewelry shop in Düsseldorf, and another shop in Berlin. And uh, they found out that in eighteen month, eighteen month, they transferred money through Havala banking in in the in the value of two hundred twenty million euro from Germany to Turkey. So, two hundred twenty million in eighteen month. That's 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 a that's hard and um, but maybe to explain what is what is Havala banking because uh, I said to transfer you don't really transfer it's n it's you don't really transfer money it's just money in the left pocket in Germany money in the right pocket in uh, Turkey and uh, um, Havala is often referred as the Havala banking system is an informal and traditional method a method of transferring money and assets across border, primarily used in regions where there may be limited access to formal financial institution or where individuals prefer to avoid traditional banking systems. This system operates outside of the conventional banking sector and relies on trust and personal connections between the Havala brokers. So these Havala brokers, for example, in Germany and in, in Turkey, they know each other and they trust themselves. Um, how it works? It works like um, person A gives money to a local Havala broker. For example, I have family in Turkey and they need money, but I want to transfer this money because it's illegal money. And for example, 100,000 euro 
and I go to, to a, a local Havala broker, it could be a jewelry in, in Frankfurt, for example, and this broker contacts another Havala broker in the destination country, for example, in Turkey, in Istanbul, um, and there's a person's location. So my family who lives there in Istanbul, I don't have family in Istanbul, but it's just a fictitious uh, case, um, um, who then gives the equivalent amount of the money to this person. And how this happened? Um, you, you receive a code. That means um, I tell the Havala broker A, um, here you have a code like uh, uh, um, uh, Norway, for example. And then he gave this code to this Havala broker B in Istanbul. Uh, and the person B went to this Havala broker. And I will tell the uh, person B in Istanbul, use this uh, code. And he goes to this uh, Havala broker and say, code word Norway. And then he received the 100,000 euros. So the Havala broker A has 100,000 plus. The Havala broker B has 100,000 minus. So maybe the next uh, person in Turkey says, some guys needs money in Germany. So they are trying to, to withdraw yeah. uh, the balance. But these guys, if you transfer like half million, one million money, you won't be able to uh, withdraw it because you always need like, like a counterpart for that. And that's why they are um, writing like fictitious bills and they are doing transfer uh, um, businesses between this. That's why these both Havala broker have their own business to transfer fake gold, for example, yeah, they pack uh, they pack something and and, and write down it's 10, 10 kilo gold, but it's, it's it's a stone and painted with with uh, with the gold uh, colors and, and and send a bill over whatever five hundred thousand euro, and so that's why to, to withdraw that and um, this is like Havala Bank and, and everyone is can do in this, and what happened now is that. In the last time, we have uh, massive money coming from Turkey to Germany. Um, that means money comes from Turkey over Austria to Germany, over Switzerland to Germany, or over other countries. And, um, and no one knows where this money from. And we assume it's coming from uh, the Havala bankings um, in Germany. That's why we are dealing at the moment very intense with this uh, specific risk because when people coming with a lot of money on the bank account to buy properties they don't need like a, a financing from credit institution or if you want to buy a property for one million and they said okay i have five thousand euro on my bank account and you ask for the jobs what they're doing and they have like maybe their unemployment or they have normal jobs uh, then you have to think okay um, are they in a situation to save this five hundred thousand euros they earn so much to save this 500,000 euro or is it maybe um, something what they get a, uh, as a gift uh, etc uh, that's this is the point about what kind of preventive measures we have to implement uh, we can talk later um, the second um, market risk is uh, something I think the main people does not heard about before is Chinese underground banking why is it so important in uh, in the UK? The Chinese buying everything. They are buying luxury properties, massive, and the same in Germany. Um, I live in a, a new built area and uh, and with a lot of Chinese people, very friendly neighbors. But they are um, 
penthouse apartments, lots of apartments bought by Chinese, and it was never entered for anyone. They just parked the money there, and they're buying uh, the properties. It doesn't matter which price. They're buying it. That's why the, the, the property prices in, in good market regions, they raised a lot because they only invest in, in, in um, A locations, in the best locations. And uh, normally you have in a location where I live, uh, the average price per square meter is 7,000 euro, maybe 8,000 euro, but Chinese people pay nine or 10,000 euro a square meter. And uh, you have like apartments, minimum 100 square meter and up. So it's it's a lot of money, and um, and okay, maybe I should explain <laughs> what is Chinese underground banking to understand why is it an issue. Um, Chinese are not allowed if they want to buy a private property or uh, to buy anything are not allowed to take out more than fifty thousand dollar out of the country, only for business purposes. They are allowed to do this. But uh, if you are like a normal Chinese family or a rich Chinese family and you want to buy for your own uh, use a property, a house, whatever, in, in for example, Germany or Norway, it doesn't matter, you're only allowed to take out $50,000. If you want to take out more, you need the permission from special dealers who work for the government. Why? They want to control you. They want to see what you are doing. And uh, when you have their permission, then you have like... Um, to do some favor, some favor things for the for the Chinese uh, country, but many people does not want this, so they try to um, evade this threshold and to find other ways. And these other ways are the Chinese underground banking. So the money is maybe illegal, but what they are doing is illegal in China. That means. This is a question you have to ask as an obliged entity when there's a Chinese who buys a property and, and pays the whole property uh, with his, with his uh, money who has on the bank account. Okay, how he get the money out of his country? Because it's a private sale. How You have to ask this question. And uh, I know that the UNODC, or the United Nations Office of Drug and Crime, is asking this question a lot. Um, the N NCA, the National Crime Agency from the um, uh, from the UK, published for this uh, a paper of Chinese underground banking. It's very interesting what they found out. And uh, this Chinese underground banking refers to also an informal financial system that operates outside of a traditional banking regulation and channels in China. It's same like Havala banking, but a bit different. It involves the, the transfer of funds and assets through unofficial means, uh, often to evade the, these currency controls and, and taxes and, and regulatory oversight. And um, and they are doing it like over, like for example, uh, the typical import-export companies. Um, they're doing. Uh, they try to transfer this money about money mules, um, and 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 different um, different ways, but. Uh, as a real estate agent, as an obliged entity, it's difficult to know, to find out how they get the money out. You don't have to, to, to investigate this, but you only have to ask, how do you get this money out of the country? And this question you can ask your clients. If you are in a situation that, that, that the Chinese people wants to buy with a lot of cash, with cash I don't mean like cash in hands, cash on bank account, the money, how did they get the money out? Do they have a business here in, in Norway? Do they have uh, maybe a company 
how long are they living here and ask all this question when they are since one year here and they have like one million on the bank account uh, then you know that they used maybe the Chinese underground banking otherwise they have like an official paper an official uh, permission to transfer this money so this is the question you should ask if you if you deal with this kind of situation and uh, and the third thing is um, the real estate construction um, i know that it's also a big thing in in norway especially with um, um you would say like the uh, black worker or not uh, taxpayer worker on this construction areas <coughs> and uh, of course in germany it's also like a a big problem about undeclared income and um, about uh, withholding the embezzlement of wages and, and, and that's that's really a lot of things and and there's like a statistic that in germany approximately we have we we call this um um and generating this undeclared income these black workers uh working with no papers and stuff to keep the cost low or to launder the black money to pay the workers cash um there are so many different ways to do this about faked bills about uh, um, um, forged uh, bills and, and companies who just uh, uh incorporated to uh, just to generate fake bills and then they close it after six months they generate just bills and then they're closing it and um and we call this market in germany the shadow market why there's a difference between money laundering you try to launder illegal illegal money or incriminated money um, through this money laundering process but the shadow market is you do legal activities illegal that means the legal activity is a construction area you have people there they are allowed to work but the work they're doing is illegal because uh, you don't have any paper for these people you don't pay the taxes social security tax insurance and all the things and, and 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 that's that's a big point and um and they found out that this shadow market we call it in germany the shadow market is around 100 billion euros a year so it's a massive amount of, of, of money who's in this uh, shadow market. And uh, at the moment, Germany, we know that this is a problem, but uh, the shadow market is bringing a lot of tax also because you pay the people, you uh, build properties, uh, you also pay tax for, for the things, for the material and stuff. As in, um, so at the end, it's everyone can profit from that. That's why there is no, uh, no big focus. But we published a paper um, through my working group three in the Anti-Financial Crime Alliance. We published a paper about the current threats in the real estate market. And, and there's um, one uh, section only with property construction, what are the red flags and, and stuff. And this paper is also available in English, but at the moment only for German-obliged uh, entities. But um, I think there will be a, a weight that maybe uh, a Norwegian um, authority could gain this paper and maybe then uh, to, to spread it to the all obliged entities. And um, this, I think, um, are also like uh, important thing. What kind of question you have to ask if you have like a um, client um, who is like a, a construction company and you want to sell uh, some apartments for him and, and you know him maybe or you don't know him, but 
how to find out if he's um, um, maybe not a money laundering uh, professional, uh, the, the construction company. There are different ways. Uh, we know that like organized crime or the mafia is um, have shares in property construction companies, so they are building directly apartments, so investing directly uh, or un indirectly, so you're using straw persons um, who are in this property construction company. All the things it's difficult to find out as, as an oblige entities. That's why you have to look out for the red flags. That means if you uh, have a new client who is a property construction company, um, you have to ask question. The first question is um, if you don't know him before and, and if he's not an, a known um, 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 property construction company, everyone knows he's since 20 years in the business, uh, everything is fine and, and no average media. And uh, But when he's new in the business, ask question. What is his track record? What is, what is his experience? How many houses he built and, 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 and sold? And, uh, and many of these guys are uh, good prepared. They said, oh, we have a website. Just go on the website. There are our reference houses we sold. Do this. Go to the website and have a look and ask yourself, is this true? Aren't this only fakes? Just uh, because these guys knows that they don't have any track record and maybe this question will come. Uh, so at the end, find out, uh, did they really sold these properties? Are they real, these properties? Um, aren't this maybe stolen pictures? So um, go for this question and then find out about this. Uh, in the most times, um, these property construction companies, are uh, they have a CEO, um, ask the CEO about his track record in this uh, business and uh, ask for uh, the... Commercial registration papers and 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 how many CEOs does this company had? Just one, two, three, four, five. How many CEOs they changed, or maybe the shareholder? Um, get an overview of the of the history of this uh, company. Look at the address where it is based. Is it maybe just uh, like uh, in the home office? Do they have uh, her own office? Do they have employees, back offices? How professional they are. And then ask the big question, how will they finance this uh, construction? You need to, to, to build, like, uh, for example, like a, a more family house or a multifamily house, uh, let's say maybe 10, 10 apartments. And we say the total cost of building are 5 million euros. So the bank will maybe give him 1.5, 2 million euros. He needs minimum for own capital 1 million or maybe a bit more, one and a half, because uh, you need like a minimum backup, like 500,000 euro, and then one million you invest, one and a half, two million you, you receive from the bank account, and wha what is with the rest? So you need like an, um, uh, a third financing uh, person, intermediaries, it calls um, mezzanine capital. Mezzanine capital um, is, for example, um, when I have on my bank account 500,000 euro, and I don't know what to do with this, I could lend this money um, to a construction company and say, okay, I'll lend you this money for one year. After one year, I want to have 6 7 8% uh, interest rate mm -hmm. yeah, because it's risk capital. And, and, and there are web pages, websites, who offers this business capital. That means there are people who have around 500,000 plus euro who want to invest, and there are construction companies who can um, um, 
go there on this website and then asking for mezzanine capital. And I think that's a big money laundering threat because uh, I don't think that this uh, owner of this website will do this KYZ due diligence. And they are, of course, they are not um, obliged entities. Yeah. They, they are just doing, they are like uh, brokers. You know, they bring uh, client A to client B together and, and, and all without any uh, obliged entities between them. And uh, this is like one big thing. Or you have uh, um, property crowd investing platforms. Uh, in Germany, we have a lot of them. I think around 10 platforms. You can uh, um, publish your, your project and, and then you can receive money um, from 500 euros starting up. So uh, the crowd, this could be very big and you never know who's, who are these persons. Uh, you can pay a lot of straw persons investing just money uh, no one knows what is the background. And um, so ask the big, big question, how to, how, how will you finance? And then, then ask, the, and then ask the, the, go more deeper and ask, okay, you have this construction company since two years. Uh, what kind of properties did you sell? How many profit you made? Is this 1.5 million on your bank account? Is this, uh, is this true or maybe is it fake? And, and, and ask more question about the plausibility and um, and then you will have a good feeling if it's like a serious client or is it maybe someone who has uh, maybe illegal money in this in this company and want to invest it uh, in this um, um, multifamily houses mm -hmm. and uh, and then after you finish uh, um, I'm asking this question and you're receiving a good answer and everything is plausible then uh, you you start selling from the scratch the pro the apartments and uh, the the buyer are happy and it's starting building, um, but your work didn't finished. You have a monitoring. That means you have to monitor this client because you have a relationship. That means you have to go to the construction area and to have a look. Yeah, all real estate agents would say, "Why is it's not our job? Or we, our job is just to to get." Uh, some buyers for the apartments. I said, no, no, no. The monitoring process is always in your responsibility. That means you have to go to the construction plot to the area and, and to see what, what's happening there, who's working there, how they're working there, and maybe to talk with, um, with, the, with the workers there, with the uh, s uh, companies who, who got the order to, to build something and, and, and to find out... Um, what is the mood there? How are the people there? And maybe is there any indication that there are like uh, um, um, illegal things going on, like uh, that they may be unpaid well and uh, the people does not speak like the, the language, they don't understand anything and they are living like in really scrapped containers and, uh, and all the things. And uh, then you get like a feeling if it's true what you find before out. Is it serious or is it just, uh, uh, was everything fake and he's just a professional money launderer and, and really prepared for that? Yeah. Uh, this is what I always offer. I say, go to the construction, um, have a talk with the people, um, and find out if there's any, any um, things going on which are not normal, uh, I will say. Yeah, yeah and you, you have provided us with uh, good thoughts on... Uh, on threats, uh, red flags, and uh, some methods. Mm -hmm. And you're speaking about professional money launderers now. And I've read about some infamous criminal groups in uh, 
in Germany, and one of them is the uh, Abu Chakir clan. <laughs> uh, can you explain how can uh, how do actors like them uh, launder money? What kind of methods do they have? Yeah, you 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 named one of the uh, famous um, clan boss in in Germany, um, Arafat Abu Chaka. Um, he is he is very very famous. He is living in close to Berlin and <coughs> the Abu Chaka clan is really big, uh, very violent uh, and, and has a lot of criminal activity. He made his money through um, uh, violent uh, robbery, uh, everything what is what is uh, wh- where you can gathering uh, money he, he's doing. And now he's like a multi-million dollar guy and he has a lot of money in his safe and uh, He's a property owner. He has like a, I think more than ten properties. The value of all properties must be now around forty uh, million, I think, uh, because uh, the, the the last property he owned was um, was an ensemble of three wills uh, close to to Berlin. Um, he was he owned it before with uh, a famous German rapper. Um, um, Bushido is, was his name, and, and Arafat was his manager. These guys are also doing like the management of some uh, uh, rap guys who are doing rapping and stuff. And um, and he's really engaged in a lot of money laundering uh, cases, uh, especially through real estate by purchasing like the properties. They're using a lot of cash and and shell companies, and um, and of course. Uh, through intermediaries uh, to obscure the the true beneficial owners so in no property he he um, has um, under his control he's um, registered as the owner um, but he's controlling everything and and for this they're using different uh, methods to control the properties that mean uh, a straw person is buying the property for example uh, one of his sons um, or daughters, or, or wife, or whatever, yeah, anyone um, who he trusts, he buys a property, and then he put in the um, property register, in the um, uh, on, on the land register book from the property, he put um, a mortgage debt um, on his name or on the name of another person. Um, higher than the property value. For example, if the property has a value of one million, he put a mortgage debt on two million or three million euro. Then uh, they go to the notary. They put it in the uh, land register book, and then they are asking for um, for a deed, for just a, a paper, a written paper from the notary um, that there is a two million mortgage debt on this property. And the person who has this paper under her control has a control of the property. You are not able to sell this property without having this paper. And this is what he's doing. He has from all the properties his papers. He has in his safe, he has papers more than 20 million euro. And with these papers, you can walk to other banks, credit institutions, and say, okay, guys, here I have a paper, 2 million euro, uh, a deed, a mortgage deed. And uh, I want money. I want to buy a property. So he receives with an, I will say, illegal uh, developed paper, uh, clean money. Mm-hmm. 
to buy a property. And what he's doing with this property, in this property he can loan the money, like uh, through construction, refurbishment, etc. Yeah. And uh, all the things. And uh, this is like one big thing he's, uh, he's doing. And of course they are in uh, um, a lot of businesses. So maybe the, um, the listeners will ask, okay, how do I, how can I find out that maybe the person I'm dealing is uh, in, in the, it's maybe a member of a clan. And you can, we found out that they are in specific business areas, that they're dealing with specific different areas. So if they have money, they say, yeah, yeah I have my own, I have my own company, I have my own uh, businesses. And, and then you have to ask what it is. And uh, they have typically the barber shops, shisha bars, car dealerships, uh, car dealerships, key services, security services, car rental, especially luxury car rental very famous um, if you see in germany a luxury car rental 100 percent clan crime and um, pipe cleaning gambling halls yeah uh, you can do like this gambling um, or betting shops uh, w over a franchise business you have a lot of franchises in germany and um, of course they're also in the music industry in the rap industry as managers so they control uh, some of the uh, famous rappers in Germany and if you control the rappers you can launder a lot of money through their um, Spotify and stuff um, there are some methods to do this and of course if you organize an event and there will come 1000 people you can say there were 3000 people and you put the dirty money in the uh, cashier and, uh, and then you can say okay uh, there were 3,000 people on the event and we sold not 100 bottle of vodka, we sold 1,000 bottle of vodka, whatever. And there's a lot of uh, things you can do. So ask your clients uh, where the money is from, what businesses they are, and um, if they are talking about this business, uh, you can be sure um, there is some suspicious. And in Germany, these kind of businesses are high-risk businesses. So you have to do enhanced due diligence measures you have to ask where's uh, uh, the the funds, uh, the source of funds and the source of wealth, and um, that's why this is like one I think one important uh, a point to ask about this this kind of businesses and then to go more more deeper and, and it will bring you at the end uh, I'm really sure to a suspicious activity report because we know the barber shops or shisha bars uh, you cannot make any profit with this it's, it's not possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chasing Fraud. If you found this interesting, remember to subscribe on any podcast platform.